Can you believe that we are at the point where there are three games mm. left until the offseason officially, league-wide at least, begins? Already, We're man. There. Already. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. We're, uh, yeah, really, really close. Uh, I, I, I mean, enjoy it because after, shoot, after the Super Bowl, man, we don't get actual football for NFL football until August, and even then that's preseason. So yeah, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah we're almost to the home we're almost at the final stretch here and obviously uh yeah. we're going to talk about the newest Steelers prospective offensive coordinator uh at least interviewee that happened today on Friday happy football Friday January 26 2023 he's Chris Halleck I'm Corey Christen this is the Southside Beat as we are at 3 p.m on DK Pittsburgh Sports Live on YouTube and then where podcasts are found 49ers and Lions, Ravens and Chiefs, two really good conference championship matches. Mm -hmm. I love both of these for a lot of reasons. Number one, obviously with the AFC, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, it writes itself, the prospective MVP versus what I would call the final boss, it almost seems, of the NFL when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and obviously the Chiefs defense has been great, the Ravens offense, at least rushing wise has been great and this is going to be a really good game i'm looking forward to it i hope the chiefs defense is somewhere close to 100 percent, and their game planning really maybe exotically i guess could be the word for lamar jackson because i think that'll just make for a much better game because mm -hmm. we've seen it with lamar jackson before things can get out of hand really quickly with a quarterback like him so i'll be fascinated to see how kansas city schemes up jackson yeah, and I think you know of all seasons they're probably best prepared um, for for uh, for this just because their defense has been uh, much better than a lot of people anticipated it to be, uh, and I think it's one of the main reasons why they they are where they are. You know, obviously, um, you know Patrick Mahomes was phenomenal against Buffalo last week, and uh, that was a big reason why they won that game. Um, but oh, just overall, I mean, we kind of saw Kansas City's offense struggle. You know, like we haven't seen, you know, in recent years, we saw them kind of struggle and kind of, you know, at times kind of limp their way through the season, um, you know, again, for the standards that we that we're used to seeing. And so um, but the defense has been a big reason why they got to the AFC championship. And uh, if, if they if there is ever a time that they are best prepared to try to defend a quarterback such as Lamar Jackson, this is the time to do it. Mm -hmm. yeah, and for the. Ravens perspective, like I said, the final boss, Lamar Jackson, or uh, the final boss, Patrick Mahomes, excuse me. And this is the guy that the league has been trying to beat over the last several years. This isn't mm -hmm. just the Ravens on, on one day on a Sunday. This is the same guy for the last, what now, six seasons, seven seasons almost? Yeah. Um, yeah, six seasons. That has really dominated the league and nobody really has many answers for. And I think that if there was one year where Patrick Mahomes could be had, it's this one. And we saw it obviously with the chiefs having to go on the road. I know it might've gotten overblown. I think to an extent, Patrick Mahomes first road playoff game in his career, because he's won obviously super bowls. He is a winner in neutral site games. He played a lot of football I just think that this is going to be really interesting to see on the Ravens' side as well. 
Do you stop Patrick Mahomes' legs first, and do you let his arm beat you? Do you stop his arm and let him make plays out of the pocket? How do the Ravens get after Mahomes? And also, I think it's very evident that Mahomes doesn't have as good of a receiving core, perhaps, as he's ever had. You know, sans Travis Kelsey. So, Patrick Mahomes is the clear nucleus for the Chiefs offense. Mm -hmm. But how effective can he be against a Ravens defense that pretty good pass rush, great inside linebackers, and a pretty darn good secondary as well? Uh, if there's anybody who's going to figure it out, it's going to be Andy Reid, uh, at least in the AFC. So uh, it, it'll be a, it'll be a fun game to watch for sure. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the NFC Championship game too. Um, I, I obviously, you know, I've been looking at the comments. Obviously, you know, people are going to want uh, to talk about, you know, the 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 latest formal candidate for the for uh, the Steelers' offensive coordinator job. And so, um, I think it's pronounced Gerard Johnson. Not 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 sure if it's jared johnson or Gerard johnson either way know who he is yeah he actually was with the steelers as a player uh in 2012 uh just in the in training camp and in the preseason uh did not make the team obviously so um but you know he's uh another young and up-and-coming coach even younger than thomas brown and uh, zach robinson uh 35 years old um was the uh, quarterback's coach last year for the texans um his work with CJ Stroud um, is uh, going to be one of the things that has, uh, mm-hmm. that has people's attention on him. Um, and uh, the fact that he also, you know, worked under Bobby Slowick there, which is from the Kyle Shanahan tree that makes it interesting as well. So um, really interested to see how, how that plays out. But once again, does not align with the preferred traits that Mike Tomlin laid out of, experienced offensive coordinator at the NFL level or just offensive coordinator at all with in regards to Johnson, but, um, and then no experience as a play caller either. So, but again, this process is, it's going to take a while. Um, they're going to learn as much as they possibly can cast a wide net, leave no stone unturned. You never know where you're going to come across. And even if a guy doesn't pan out for the OC job, maybe there's something else that they can line up for him. Mm-hmm. That's the big name of the day, Gerard Johnson. And it was officially announced by the Steelers today that he has interviewed for the offensive coordinator position, the vacant offensive coordinator position, candidate number two behind Thomas Brown of the Panthers. And again, a common theme here are the coaching trees, so to speak, that these guys are coming from. It was McVay, at least with the name that Zach Robinson not Uh-oh. But it's seeming like you know, that's kind of cooled off at least in recent days. But Are you back on your Xfinity internet again? Uh-oh, we're cutting out in and out again. I also have my phone fired up on, on a web browser because I'm uh, currently monitoring a family situation. So if I'm cutting in and out, it's because I'm using multiple devices. But we'll see what we can do about it. But anyway, I hey, they fixed it, allegedly. So we'll see. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um. But again, the the common thread here, McVay coaching tree, now they're in the Shanahan coaching tree. And Mm -hmm. if what we think is going to happen when the 49ers get eliminated, and that's Clint Kubiak will get an invite to the Mm -hmm. south side, then that'll be another Shanahan guy. So it's very clear two things are happening right now. Number one, at least with when you include Robinson as well, all of these guys I think are 37 and younger, at least when Mm -hmm. it comes to Robinson and Brown. And now Johnson, mm-hmm. they're all 37 years old or younger. So Mike Tomlin's going younger for this. And number yeah. two, coaching tree, history, past. 
And the development of C.J. Stroud this year is something that really intrigues me when it comes to Johnson because C.J. Stroud has said on record, that guy changed his life. That's a life-changing quarterback coach for him. Mm-hmm. And if C.J. Stroud can be developed, and, and Ohio State doesn't have an amazing track record of quarterbacks. They just haven't pretty much ever. You know, you could go back to, oh, my gosh, like Art Schleister. Like, you could go back to, way back in the time machine mm-hmm. for Ohio State quarterbacks. But when you look at what Johnson has done with C.J. Stroud, it makes you think, it makes you wonder how much of that is a Kenny Pickett-centered move. How much of that is a move that says we have a young quarterback, rookie deal quarterback, now going into his third year. Here's a guy that just developed C.J. Stroud into, should be rookie of the year, a top 10-ish quarterback in the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. Why not Kenny Pickett? Why can't he take this guy and develop him into something and take our first round pick and make good on it? That's a really intriguing standpoint, I think, for Kenny Pickett when it comes to Johnson. And I think you can associate that with Robinson in some way as well, though Robinson, of course, didn't develop Matthew Stafford by any means. So that's a name, you know, when it comes to Johnson, to me, that screams an endorsement and a lifeline to Kenny Pickett. Um, Really interesting here because, you know, this is another coach that there's not a a long track record on, on, if I can talk. Um, And that obviously leaves, like, obviously it's going to, it's going to draw more questions from the fan base. There's two comments here that I want to, or questions that I want to highlight here and then get into it. And you're going to get a really good taste of this throughout this entire off season. Now, Darren asks, is Gerard Johnson getting too much credit for Stroud? Also no play calling history. And then Chris Lynn uh, asks, what does it say uh, about Tomlin that given his longevity in the league, he doesn't have a coaching tree. So there are, there's one big takeaway I want to take from those two questions. And that is understanding what is being said about the, about a coach throughout the coaching fraternity. Okay. Um, amongst everybody who is part of the game, whether you're a coach, whether you're an executive, if you work in a front office, whatever, whatever may have you. And the, you know, obviously you get a lot of national reporters who talk to everybody. And then you have a lot of the local, uh, local guys who talk to, all the different coaches talk to, you know, especially when you talk about like off the record conversations, you run into a lot of them during the off season. When you go to the senior bowl, you'll run into some, the combine, especially you'll run into some, it just, it's just part of it. And so when you talk and you hear things, somebody like Mike Tomlin, you know, his coaching tree or lack thereof is always brought up as, as some sort of, um, some sort of, Speaking of yeah. which, here's Chris no, Lynn well, no, about that, the Tomlin coaching. Well, no, I, I I brought that question up, and yeah. so um, the the reason why I bring that up is because yes, that is something that fans cling on to whenever they want want to argue against Mike Tomlin on anything. Um, regard, I mean, regardless, like you, if you were to talk to anybody in the coaching fraternity, Mike Tomlin is all the way up here. Mm-hmm. Like there is no debate about that. Everybody in this league who has a job in the in a front office on a coaching staff has the most, the utmost respect for Mike Tomlin as a coach. Um, and so that, that to me, like, like almost throw everything else out the window because regardless of what you think about him, everybody in the game thinks highly of him. And so when you hear a lot of good things about a young, I, I use that to also point to Gerard Johnson. When you hear a lot of good stuff about the guy, you know, when you hear like everybody's praising him for 
not only what he's done to get to this point, but then also coming off of this year in which he worked directly with CJ Stroud, who has already won PFWA Rookie of the Year and is probably going to win AP Rookie of the Year. I mean, it's it's I, I, those things can't be ignored. Now, of course, it's more up to the people on the south side. When Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan and 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 Art Rooney the second are in that room, or whoever's in that room interviewing them. You know, they're going to be the ones who are going to find out more about him mm-hmm. right then and there. But get him um, in the building at least, right? Yeah. He's a guy that has familiarity, obviously, with Mike Tomlin. He spent training camp in 2012, I think it was, with the Steelers. Yeah. He's a guy that had his familiar, familiar, familiarity, goodness, with Mike Tomlin. Slow down your speech, Corey. Mm-hmm. And look, if, if people are so keen on, well, Tomlin's just going to hire somebody he knows. Well, this is somebody he knows. And the criteria fit. The criteria fits. Once one thing we've talked about since the day Matt Canada was fired, for and this still stands true for me, even though Mason Rudolph did what he did towards the end of the year. And by the way, quick sidebar, yeah, did not watch Ramon Foster yesterday. Mason Rudolph joined Ramon Foster for like an hour, little over an hour. Great content, great stuff from Mason. Talked about Kenny Pickett, talked about this year, talked about his journey and his life and everything that this season did for him. You're going to want to check that out. Don't do it now because we're live. Check it out. DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube. It's available on podcasts where the podcasts are found. You're not going to want to miss that. A lot of good stuff. And if you rather just read what he said, there's a lot of bullets on DKPittsburghSports.com right now in a Friday Insider format. So you're not going to want to miss that. But the, the one thing, and this still stands true for me, that I felt the Steelers needed to check when the new offensive coordinator search began was finding the best way to get the best out of Kenny Pickett. And how is that new guy going to be able to do that? Because Kenny Pickett, first round pick, Kenny Pickett, a guy that they spent that capital on to build around Kenny Pickett, a guy that money wise is not going to cost them an arm and a leg for at least three more seasons. If they shoot, if they choose to have the final season in there. So if you can have a coordinator, and you just saw the body of work with C.J. Stroud. Now, Stroud and Pickett, obviously, different skill sets. But you just saw what happened with C.J. Stroud and that development. Now, Bobby Slowick, I think, has a lot to do with it. But Slowick mm-hmm. is a Shanahan guy as well. Yeah. So if you have that system, and that's a solid system to pluck from, mm-hmm. and he comes in here, and he could tailor what Shanahan's system, and by the way, that's benefited Brock freaking Purdy, and they could tailor that to Kenny Pickett, to win for all parties. So I'm not saying right here, right now, that, that Gerard Johnson's my top guy because I still think Clint Kubiak is number one on my list. I certainly think that Johnson's a better option than Brown, and I certainly think that Johnson is a better option than Robinson among the names that we've heard of so far linked to the Steelers in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, t- again, like I bring up the coaching tree thing here or addre- or I should say dr- address it here and it just goes off. Like, listen, just because a coach doesn't have some sort of, that's not a mark of a great coach is having a good coaching tree. It's just not. I mean, say what you want about Kyle Shanahan. He's a great coach. Um, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. I, I mean, sure. I mean, let's just, I mean, at least not, not as a head coach. And so, you know, it's just. I, again, that's that's not a knock. I, again, I think he's a great coach. Now, Sean McVay, you can say a little bit different, and I think Sean McVay is a, a heck of a coach, not just as an offensive mind, but as a head coach as well. Um, you know, and, and you know, you look at like Bill Belichick. I mean, how many of his guys have gone off to go do something 
you know, something where they were they became a head coach or something and they just sure. fell flat on their face. Sure. I here mean, yeah, Mark right here yeah too. it's just I mean, it, just because there's not a coaching tree doesn't mean that he's a bad coach. It just doesn't like I, I don't I don't understand this obsession to, again. You know, if you if you trust us to to bring you the news, if you tr- like, like, for example, like from my perspective, whenever whenever I was like whenever I was on the beat and if you trust me to bring you the news and you trust me to bring you the uh, ha- to help put your finger on the pulse of the team, just like I have a finger on the pulse of the team, then I hopefully you trust whatever 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 I, I can report or whatever I can hear or, or, or whatever I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And so if I hear nothing but vast praise for Mike Tomlin throughout the league, I mean, I remember talking to an executive at the, at the senior bowl and I just brought it up and I was given this look like you, you freaking stupid. Are you, are, like, really? Are you dumb? Like everybody loves them. Everybody loves them. It's just, it's just, it's just part of it, man. Like it's just, it, it's, it's a foregone conclusion at this point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but again, you know, People will, you know, I'm not saying that Mike Tomlin is is void of criticism when it comes to since Super Bowl 45, it's been a whole lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. It's been three playoff wins. It's now been seven straight, or you know, h- however many straight, uh, six straight, five straight playoff losses since the 20. Um, well, since the 2016, let's just say since yeah. the 2016 postseason. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, ever since the AFC Championship loss in 2016, they haven't won a playoff game, and so. Um, you know, that uh, there, that's not, he's not void of criticism there. Um, but it doesn't mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like, I feel like it doesn't, it doesn't really, really matter, you know, what I can say at the, at this point, because, you know, people are just going to believe what they're going to believe. I can try to tell you everything that you want to believe and that's fine. You know, everybody, everybody has an opinion and everybody has the right to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just saying that everything that I've ever heard about Mike Tomlin from anybody else outside of the organization, that's nothing but high praise. That discourse, I think, is is very black and white when it comes to local versus national. I, I think that's just what it's going to be, quite frankly. And I think the local perspective is very jaded in the sense that, yeah, they have not won a playoff game since the 2016 postseason. Mm-hmm. In the last five postseason losses they've sustained, they've allowed a lot of points, and Mike Tomlin is a defensive coach. So, yeah, like when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, that mitigates a lot of stuff. And, yes, Pittsburgh Toddy, good point. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva on Wednesday talked really, really high praise about Mike Tomlin. You have to go listen to that as well. Um, but, but I just think, you know, it, that's what it's going to be. Until the day, you know, until the day the NFL dies, which, spoiler alert, will be never, that's always going to be the conversation around Mike Tomlin's tenure in Pittsburgh, I feel. And I think that's just what it's transformed into. I think it's transformed into the local perspective, and and this isn't necessarily me either. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I I think the world of Mike Tomlin. I think that that's just what it's going to be. There's going to be a divide between that, and it's going to be well, he was underwhelming here. He only won only won the one Super Bowl and went to another. But then on the flip side, it was well, he sustained he had a sustainable program in Pittsburgh. He helped breed a Hall of Fame quarterback's career. He had elite defenses at at times. So. Yeah, that 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 dichotomy is going to live forever. It just is. 
it's something we're going to have he's, to deal with. And it's, a, it's a conversation we're going to, he absolutely is. It's a conversation we're going to have to rehash time after time again. And that's just what it's going to have to be. And about saying that's the thing. Like I saw, and I think that's, that's Bied said it. Um, and I, I, I'm assuming that this is, this is said tongue in cheek and that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it as a joke. It's like, my opinion is that your opinion is wrong and that's fine. Uh, that it's, it's funny. It, it like, I, I, I don't get worked up over this stuff. I really don't, but I'm just saying like people, I saw somebody make a comment on social media. I was like that, that so many people think that Mike Tomlin is like the worst coach in the league or one of the worst coaches in the league. And it's just, I find it funny because he's going to be like a immediate hall of famer. As soon as he can possibly be a hall of famer, first he's going to be, he's going to be a hall of famer. No, oh, first ballot. I mean, it's just, it's not a, it's not a debate at this point. <laughs> it's just sure. not. I mean, like, um, all right. Do we want, if we want to play that game, like Nick Sirianni, okay. Who's on ice in Philadelphia because of, of just the absolute debacle. That was the end of the season. Like Jonathan boy. Gannon out in Arizona. Like, do we want to say Nick Sirianni has a coaching tree or like Todd Bowles, his offensive coordinator just got hired, you know, as the new head coach. Do we want to say that Todd Bowles, like we got to look at Todd Bowles coaching. tree? I don't think anybody say that. And those are disrespect to those coaches, but like, I don't think that's like indicative of success as a coach, whether they're able to breed other coaches in the league. I think it's noteworthy to an extent. Like if you're looking at the Sh- if if Mike Tomlin's looking at the Shanahan and the McVay offenses to pluck a coordinator from, mm-hmm. that's because those offenses have been widely successful in recent memory. Keywords mm-hmm. are recent memory. If if Mike Tomlin in the Steelers had a top ten defense or top five defense in the NFL for the last four years. Wouldn't Terrell Austin be considered a head coaching candidate? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just how the NFL works. That's just how things work. So, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Mike Tomlin not having a widespread coaching tree that's been unbelievably successful over the last decade and a half is indicative of Mike Tomlin as a coach. That's not fair to say. Yeah. Um, and, like, he, he's got a couple of guys now who I think could end up becoming, you know, Possible coordinators at one point, you know, Grady Brown's one of them. Uh, Aaron Curry possibly could be one, you know, down the road. I don't think, I don't think Aaron Curry's quite there yet, but uh, really, really think he's again, you, you talk about a guy you hear a lot of positive stuff about. I mean, there was positive vibes coming out coming from him whenever he, when the Steelers plucked him from Seattle. Um, yep. And that carried over into his first year with the Steelers. So, um, I, I do think that Aaron Curry is going to be one of those up and comers here in the next couple of years. Grady Brown's kind of on that trajectory too. Um, so especially if if you have a guy such as I mean Joey Porter's a you know finalist for AP uh, Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean that that uh, Grady Brown directly coached him. I mean mm-hmm. you're going to have certain certain guys who are going to start getting considerations you know d- down the road. And uh, I, again. It, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of all 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 worded out when it comes to uh, when it comes to the coaching tree stuff. It, it just like I, I think it's I think it's an obsession for fans. And uh, I, again, I, I don't I don't understand why why that's the thing that's cl- that's clung to more than anything. I would I would be more concerned about the more tangible stuff like you know clock management, you know timeout usage, all that kind of stuff. Like like challenges and stuff like that like in-game stuff or or the way he handled like chooks core for and, the, and those things you know that to me is more of a measure of like who mike tomlin is as a coach but the really big thing is is that no matter what happens those guys every single guy in that locker room buys into that message even though that message is full of cliches and tomlinisms 
they just continue to buy up, buy into it. They eat it up, man. They love playing for him. All I think. I think Every, when you have, I think when you have, years. I think when you have players that retire and go on public record years after the fact, or that simply come back to the franchise they played for, and they speak highly of Mike Tomlin, then Mike Tomlin's probably doing something right. Like, all right, what Alejandro Villanueva said Wednesday, what mm-hmm. Ramon Foster obviously says. Marquise Pouncey. What Marquise Pouncey said about Mike Tomlin changing his life and making him a champion, even though when Mike Tomlin said last, what, a week from Thursday, yep. that one of his biggest regrets in his career is not getting Pouncey a championship, and Pouncey said, hey, you made me a champion. Come on. Like, that's what it's about. That's what this is about. And you and, and Mike Tomlin keeps the alumni base, okay? Like, I'm not trying to, like, put this into college terms by any sense, but look at the notable alumni that still come back to Pittsburgh. Look at the notable alumni that still come back. And, yeah, Toddy says it here, what TJ said and what Cam has said and what Nick Herbig has said and what the rookies and the young guys have said. This is endorsements, player endorsements, the guys that are in the meetings with the guy every single day. You've been in that room, man. Like you've been, you've been in that room. I've been in that room. I've had those conversations with players and uh, I've had conversations with players about other. I had, I had several off the record conversations whenever I was asking guys about the Matt Canada situation, you know, back whenever I was on the beat and I had off the record conversations in which things were told to me that I can't repeat. Of course. Right. Um, that works. Yeah. And, and, uh, I've also had off the record conversations with, with players. And then I, anytime I try to shift it to anything about a lack of anything in Mike Tomlin, that immediately gets shut down every yeah. single time yeah. those guys buy and they, the, the, when you know, a coach is starting to lose it. It's what we see with Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia. It's whenever the team begins to just crumble from within and no it's, coach is immune by the way bill belichick no coach is immune and I, but i think long. like like listen like like this this to me when when we talk about tomlin's legacy obviously super bowl win is at the very very top it will always be at the top when it comes to a coach's legacy um but as of right now i don't even think it's i don't even think it's oh you never had a losing season right now i think it's how long he's been the steelers coach how long that message that he's been given has been consistently the same. Obviously it's, it's evolved a little bit over time. It's kind of had to, people don't talk the same way in 2024, the way they did when he took the job in 2007, but for him to have the same message essentially, and it never gets stale Mm -hmm. ever. I mean, if I say the same thing over and over again for 17 years, I guarantee you people are going to want to shoot me. Like it gets old after a while. I'm just Good saying. That. Yeah, I'm not going to do that to you. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying. Like, like how it's easy for for the same message to get stale. He mm-hmm. finds a way to have the same message come across and never get stale. Right. That that to me is like wow. That I think about like hockey and hockey coaches and how much they can be recycled, even though they were great coaches. The message gets old after a while and doesn't it doesn't work anymore. And then you have to make a change. Even if they were a good coach, still got to make a change because the message is stale. The team's not playing under it. They don't respect it anymore. They you know, got to move on. That's never happened here. That's right. All right. I have to get out a little bit early. I have to tend to a family situation here soon. Real quick before we get out, Chris, do you want to make some? Yeah, picks? let's pick the games. Let's, let's pick the games. Pick, let's pick the games for the conference championship. 
You know, let's start with the NFC. Lions versus 49ers. Um, I don't have the line in front of me. And maybe you can grab that, grab those for us, Chris. I will pull that up real quick. Uh, let I'll start with, with Lions 49ers. I think this game hinges on Dan Campbell's decision-making. And I think this game hinges on whether Dan Campbell properly game plans for the many layers that the 49ers offense can throw at them. And I think that the Lions defense is a good shot. Maybe not at stopping everybody, but like Christian McCaffrey's going to get his. That's pretty given. He scores a touchdown basically in every game. Mm-hmm. The the receiving core getting Debo back. I think they're getting Debo back is going to be a big deal. But not letting Purdy complete deep, I think, is going to open a, a lot for this Lions defense. And this is a homecoming for Jared Goff too, by the way. Jared Goff's a Cali kid. He played at Southern or he played at California. I think he's from the Bay Area. So this is a homecoming for Jared Goff, who just won an emotional game against the Rams, the team mm-hmm. that kicked him to the curb and said, no thanks. Yep. So I think the Lions legitimately have a shot here. And definitely considering, you know, what the 49ers, you know, went through last week. And like the Lions, I think, have a little resilience. I just I I somehow can't pick them though like i i feel like the 49ers just all season have shown us mm-hmm. they're the best team in the nfc they're the best team in the nfl and like i think there's a there's a way the 49ers can just win this game by double digits like a 10 point a 10 point win like a 27 17 at the end of the day uh what's that line there by the way uh san francisco minus seven i mean that's fair I think that's absolutely fair. I think I think they have a chance to cover that, but it's not by much. I'm going to take the 49ers in this. I, I'm also taking the 49ers, uh, and uh, I, I don't do that uh, easily because same thing. I do think this Lions team is very, very good, and uh, I think this is a Lions team that if they continue to build on off of what they've done, not just this season but also last season, they were they 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 built a really good foundation last season. Um, and uh, they they built on it and became a much better team this year. And here they are, one of the final four teams. Um, I very well could easily – I won't say easily, but I very well could see them winning this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that they, too. I, I'm with you on that. They are uh, – the, nobody in this final in this final four is, like doesn't belong there. All four have deserved to get there. Um, just the 49ers, man, especially if they get Debo back, that, that to me is just – <sighs> it's, too hard. Just, it, it's too much, man. It's just, it's too much. When Kyle Shanahan's offense is at full strength, I have a hard time betting against it, especially whenever what, considering what the 49ers have on the defensive side. So I'm going to say 49ers win this one. I'm going to say they win 27, 17. William, thank you for becoming a new member. We appreciate you. Welcome back. Welcome in. Enjoy the emotes. Enjoy all of those benefits. All right. AFC chiefs at Ravens Ravens minus four. Ravens minus four. I start this comment here from Rick talking about this game. Lamar, Shooter, McGavin, Mahomes is happy Gilmore. Like, Pat, again, Patrick Mahomes is the final boss. Patrick Mahomes is the final boss. And when you are to a tug of Iloa losing to Lamar Jackson, or losing to Patrick Mahomes, excuse me, you're Josh Allen losing to Patrick Mahomes. Now Lamar Jackson is going against Patrick Mahomes. Like, for me, this is the Chiefs kind of having to climb that rung as well. And I think that with all of the doubt, with all of the Taylor Swift hate, 
with all of that fueling them. They have so much fuel. Like I feel yeah, like for any no idea reason, how much the NFL wants the Chiefs I, in the Super Bowl. I feel like for no reason the Chiefs <laughs> just find a way to get fueled every year at this time. And now, now this defense is really damn good. And this defense on all three levels can stop Lamar Jackson, I think. And yeah, new old member. That's I knew I knew the name William. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I, I think this is the Chiefs. I think this is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I think it's like a 31-30 Ravens. You know, I, I think the Ravens have a good shot at it, obviously, playing at M&T Bank and playing at home and having a really rested Lamar Jackson. What's the weather supposed to be uh, in Baltimore? I haven't checked that, but um, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. Chiefs game, 49ers feels like the destiny on the Super yeah, Bowl. G- game time weather, uh, cloudy and 49 degrees. So throw in um, weather. Throw in uh, weather is what it is. Yeah, so give me the Chiefs. So Chiefs 49ers for me. Okay, I am. Uh, that's a rematch of what Super Bowl 54? A few years ago. I can't remember which one. My my recent Super Bowl memory is is uh, kind of embarrassing. I can go like if I really think about it, I could probably go all the way back to Super Bowl 27. I think and name you like who beat who. I think. Um, but the recent years are, are a, bit, a bit foggy for me. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm also going to go Chiefs. Uh, either way, the NFL's uh, going to have some sort of – the NFL is going to have some sort of conspiracy theorist coming out of the woodwork if yep. the 49ers win because if the Ravens win, look at the Super Bowl 58 logo. The colors in it are red and there purple. It there it is. So that's going to be the conspiracy theory there. And then, of course, if the Chiefs win, the conspiracy theory is, oh, well, they got to have – Taylor Swift on TV every five seconds during the Super Bowl. So it's going to be – so if the 49ers win, we're screwed when it comes to Super Bowl Sunday, regardless, because somebody from that AFC Championship is going to have to be in that game. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, too. Uh, I do think that I, – I I voted for Lamar Jackson. He he won uh, PFWA, uh, PFWA MVP. He was my vote as well. I do think that this is a different version of Lamar. I don't think we see the oh, same old Lamar losing in the playoffs. I don't think we see that. I think uh, they make this a game. Absolutely. I actually could see this even being regardless of what the Ravens defense and Chiefs defenses have done. I'm going to say that this is some sort of like 38 to 36 Chiefs win. Some something kind of like, like that. bonkers. Like yes. Do like, not, win. Not, not quite at the level that we saw that Chiefs Rams game several years ago. You know, where it was Ooh. like what fifty-four to fifty-one, whatever the final score was. But um, yeah, I'm gonna say something like thirty-eight, thirty-six, or something like that. And the Rock wins the Royal. Bonus Rumble to end night. the show, Chris. Who yeah, wins I... the men's and women's rumbles? Bonus um, picks. Who wins the rumbles? Women's. Uh, um, Becky Lynch wins. Uh, wins the women's one, and CM Punk wins the men's. Becky and Punk. All right, to go different, I will go with Cody. Cody back to back. I'll go Cody back to back. Can't be Rhea. Can't be Rhea. No, I'll go Bailey. I'll go Bailey for the women's. I think Bailey's due for one. She hasn't won the. uh, She hasn't won the women's rumble. She's been putting a lot of people over, man. Oh, she's tremendous. She's my favorite women's wrestler. She's tremendous. Oh, her her work is awesome. awesome. Her work is awesome. Like she puts everybody over. It's awesome. It's good. So I think Bailey's got one coming to her. I think she deserves it. So give me Bailey and Cody. You've got Punk and Becky. Mm -hmm. Good picks. Good picks. Yep. All right. I, I, I got I got a Monday. proposition for you. All right. Week leading up to the Super Bowl. We're going to have to do some sort of, we're going to have to de- dedicate a show to Super Bowl history trivia. 
whether that be the ability to uh. name fifty-seven Super Bowls, like who beat who. Uh, you can do your homework, but obviously like, you know, whatever that is or name who the, you know, who won the most MVPs, uh, we'll come up with something, but maybe we'll do something kind of like that. We'll, we'll do it for the chat. Robert does not like wrestling. Apparently. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We'll pick a day. We'll pick a day. We'll do Super Bowl trivia. Um, we'll let the chat answer pro wrestling is real. Thanks, Randy. Pro wrestling is real. It's fun. Uh, bonus. Does MJF show up or, or Sasha Banks? Do either of them show up? No, neither. Neither. Who has the better better chance at the MJF? Sasha does. Banks. Sasha, okay. All right. There you go. That's our show today. DK and Ramon coming up in 25 minutes here. Where you found this on DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube. Remember, we're available where podcasts are found. Enjoy the games this weekend. It's going to be fun. Enjoy the Rumble, too, if you're watching. I'm going to watch it on Playback Sunday, so no spoilers, Chris. No spoilers. Okay. I'm, I, I, I mean, you can stay on if you want to. I know you got to go, but... Teresa, now I haven't pulled up anything here, mm. but I will start. Okay. Well, let me think here. Chris can do it. I have to run. Yeah. I'll talk to you all soon. Have fun, Chris. This is the bonus post show, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Have fun with the post show. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, hold on a second. Let me see. Oh, ooh, look at this little solo thing here. Okay, here we go. No cheating. Um, I will start at, yeah, bye, Darren. That's fine. Um, let's see. Let me go back. I can go back to a certain year, um, 27. Start a Super Bowl 27, because Super Bowls 27 and 28 were uh, Cowboys beating the Bills. Okay. Uh, know that for sure. Then 29 was the 49ers beating the Chargers. Uh, Steelers should have been there if they didn't choke in the AFC Championship. Uh, 95, that was Super Bowl 30. Cowboys beat the Steelers. 96, Packers beat the Patriots. Uh, 32, Super Bowl 32 was Broncos beating the Packers. 33 was Broncos beating the Falcons. 34 was uh, Rams beating the Titans. 35 was Ravens beating the Giants. Um, 36 was Patriots beating the Rams. 37 was Buccaneers beating the Raiders. Mike Tomlin's first ring. Um, 38 was Patriots beating the Panthers. 39 was Patriots beating the Eagles. 40 was Steelers beating the Seahawks. Um, 41 was, uh, man. Oh, that was, uh, Peyton's first ring. Colts beating the Bears. Uh, 42 was, oh God, that was, uh, David Tyree. Giants beating the Panthers. Panthers, Patriots, Giants beating the Patriots. 43, that game right there. Steelers beating the Cardinals. Um, 44 was uh, Saints beating the Colts. 45, sorry, Packers beating the Steelers. Uh, 46, I start to get a little foggy after 45. So 46 was Giants beating the Patriots again. That was Eli beating, beating uh, Brady again. 47 was um, uh, when the lights went out. Uh, Ravens beat the 49ers. Um, 48 was, let me think. Hold on a second. 
48 was Seahawks beating the Broncos in one of the most lopsided Super Bowl games. Um, William said that never happened. I know you're talking about 45. Uh, 49 was that was um, uh, didn't hand it off to Marshawn. Uh, Patriots beat the Seahawks. Uh, 50 was Broncos beat the Panthers. 51. I start to get, I this is where I start to get really foggy. Uh, 51. That was 2016, 2015, 2016, I think. 51. That would have been uh, Patriots uh, beat the Falcons. That was the 28 to 3 game. Yep. Thank you. Um, then 52. That was uh, Patri- Patriots were in it again, but that's when um, uh, that was Nick Foles. 52. Eagles beat the Patriots. Um, I start to get really foggy here. Uh, 53. Is this when the Patriots beat the, uh, won their sixth, beat the Rams? 53, I think. I think that's when that was. And then I think 54. Um, shoot. Chiefs won two in this span, obviously. Would have been 54. Chiefs won two because they beat the, was that when they beat the 49ers? Chiefs beat 49ers. No, no, that would have been 54 would have been uh, Buccaneers beating the Chiefs or no, wait, 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 I, I'm going to get those two mixed up. One of them was uh, Chiefs beat the um, 49ers and another one was Buccaneers beat the Chiefs. I just don't remember which order. And then Rams beat the Bengals and then last year um, Chiefs beat the Eagles. Uh, the reason why it goes back to Super Bowl 27 is because that's like the earliest I can remember of my life. I can name other Super Bowls too, but my Super Bowl history gets a lot of, a lot more foggy after that. Uh, so there's your post-show Super Bowl like memory thingamajig. Uh, 98 of you still in here to watch, so thank you for putting up with my uh, nerdy, idiotic self. Um, Super Bowl 20, I do remember that one. That was um, um, uh, the 85 Bears, uh, so that would have been uh, Bears over the Patriots. Uh, I can name I can name Super Bowls nine, ten, thirteen, and fourteen too. <laughs> um, shoot, man, you know what? I know the Packers won the first two. Did they beat the Chiefs in the first one. I can't. I honestly cannot remember. And the Super Bowl three was the Jets. Um, yeah, a lot of that in there. Um, the nine through fourteen, I can do. I just don't remember the order of uh. 11 and 12 because nine was obviously Steelers beat the Vikings. Uh, 10 was Steelers beat the Cowboys. Then 11 and 12. I don't remember the order here, but the Cowboys won one and the Raiders won one. And then 13 Steelers beat the Cowboys again. And then 14 Steelers beat the Rams. Uh, Obviously like those are easy to remember. Like if you know anything about Steelers history. So, um, and with me being in Dallas, I should know the years that the the Cowboys won. Obviously they won two in in that span back in the seventies, but, um, I just don't remember which ones. Anyway, I do have to run. I got to get pick up my kids from school. So thank you, Toddy. I knew I, I knew 11, 11 and 12. They were both Raiders, Cowboys. I just don't remember the order. Um, and I don't remember who they beat either. Um, so, 
Yeah. So that's, uh, that's my, my knowledge of Super Bowl history. Um, about as far as it goes, uh, I have to do some homework if we do like all 57 Super Bowls or how, you know, who's won the most MVPs and everything like that, or who was MVP of each Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, Miami. Uh, so Miami would have won. That was 72. So it'd been Super Bowl seven. Uh, Matt Hyde brings up, uh, um, their perfect season. So Miami, uh, would have been, that was 72. So that had to have been Super Bowl seven because obviously Steelers were seventy four. That was Super Bowl nine. Um, so yeah. So, uh, I, but again, I don't remember who the Dolphins beat. A lot of those, a lot of those early ones, except for the Steelers ones, I don't remember who beat who. Um, so just uh, part of being born in nineteen eighty seven. I can remember a lot of stuff from the time I was about four or five years old going forward, but. Um, yeah. Anyway, Ramon show coming up uh, in less than 20 minutes. So uh, enjoy that. I don't think he's going to be able to follow up on these, <laughs> like a follow up great, like these, these uh, last two days, uh, the interviews with uh, Al Villanueva and uh, Mason Rudolph, they were both fantastic shows, fantastic interviews. Um, if you haven't, man, go, go back and watch them. Obviously watch Ramon today, but definitely go back and watch those. They were, they were fantastic. They were so good. Um, Thank you, Swan. Appreciate that. Dolphins beat Washington, um, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a great. Uh, it, it, those two were were a great time, and I, I'm sure today's will be great too. But um, yeah, James, those were great shows. They really were. I was uh, uh, sitting in line. We did our show early, so I actually got in line at my at my daughter's school early yesterday. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that was. Uh, um, I ended up watching almost that entire Mason Rudolph one uh, the entire time I was sitting in line. It was uh, it was so good. It was just such a good interview. And then the one with Villanueva, I really don't want to take anything away from that. That was great, too. So anyway, I got to go, guys. Catch you guys on the flippity flip. Enjoy the AFC and NFC championship games. We will be talking Monday, and I'm sure we'll hit on the Super Bowl eventually. But we also got a lot more Steelers stuff to talk about. I'm sure we'll have more offensive coordinator stuff to talk about. So catch you guys on the flippity flip. Have a great weekend. Talk to you guys later.